Productivity. Productivity. Gladiator. I'm Brian Nelson Palmer. On this show, I talk about life balance and personal practical productivity skills. And in this episode, I'm digging into a topic that's come up so much lately, and that's about AI and practical applications for your everyday work for right now with AI. And with me on the show today is Christopher Lind, who's the chief learning officer at ChenMed. So Christopher, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to this. It's been a little bit on the book. So I was looking forward when I saw it was coming up today. Absolutely. And for those folks who aren't familiar with you, talk about your background as it relates to like AI and this topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So I've got a very eclectic background. While I'm a chief learning officer, I'm not, I'm very non-traditional in a lot of things. <laughs> Let's just say that yeah. I've never fit in to anything. Okay. So I yeah. originally was a total tech head. Everyone thought I was going to go start a tech company. And I decided I was actually really bored with computers. They were ones and zeros were very predictable. Yeah. People were fascinated, fascinating to me. But because of that, I've always had this bend on, okay, but technology is a real thing. And I'm a millennial oh, that was right totally. on the cusp of like all these things blowing up. And so I was always fascinated with but how is this affecting people and the human experience and the way we develop? And so that really is the trajectory of my entire career. So when people ask me or kind of my tagline is I've lived life at the intersection of business, uh, technology and the human experience. And so that's really who I am and the lens that I bring to a lot of different things, which is why, yes, I'm the chief learning officer, but I also lead digital transformation. I lead business process improvement, and then I also am a big voice in the industry. I do a lot of speaking on this topic, especially as AI has come out because of the fact that it's not just about the tech. It's about what no. this tech is going to do to the human experience. Oh, and that's totally what we're talking about right now, which is the what does it mean for you part, right? Like the tech yeah. can be transformative, but the the people aren't going to just suddenly go away. You can get no. rid of the tech, but you can't get rid of the people. So now what? Oh, my gosh. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. And <laughs> we're going to have fun. So We're going to yeah. have so much fun. And we're and, both content creators. So like this well, conversation is just going to come so much more natural. And I feel like in our Venn diagram, too, what I also love about this is like I went to school for MIS and computer science. I know how to code. I started out that way. I learned that much like you, my my trajectory was I like the people and I was not as much into the tech. So while I have a really deep, intimate understanding of the tech, for me, it's about the people. And I mean, Productivity Gladiators about training overworked project managers on leveling up their life balance and practical yeah. productivity. And, and I'm skills. really happy with my choices because chat GPT four right. could code way better than I could now. And so anything I would even be able to do, I totally. could just ask GPT four to do it and it'd do a better job than I would anyway. <laughs> oh gosh. So true, man. I, well, we'll dig into that. But one other thing before we jump in, one of the, one other question I wanted to ask, which is also fascinating yeah. to me is what would you say? There's a lot of people who bill themselves as AI experts or chief learning officers or that kind of thing. So sure. is there something in particular that you feel makes you different from the other folks out there that talk about the topics we're going to talk about today and do what you do? Um, so a couple things. So first of all, one, you know, I mean, I actually have a day job too. So like that is like my chief learning officer is my formal title. So I run this foreign enterprise. I'm an accountable 
for a large healthcare organization and all of the implications of what does it mean to develop our employees well. So I've been doing this for big companies for a long time, yeah. which, you know, and I grew up in the industry. And I think that's one of the things that my peers say is really unique is they're like, you're not somebody who kind of like came in and took over. And so you kind of get it. I mean, I grew up in the trenches of this stuff. And so I understand the implications and the complexity that go around it, which a lot of senior leaders in my field, they came from other parts of the business. And it was kind of like, well, I kind of get learning so I can run learning. Where for me, it was, well, no, I actually grew up in that. So I think that's a little bit different. I think the other one is I really approach things from a philosophical standpoint in many cases. I like to think deeply about this. So a lot of people are talking about AI in this kind of what can the tech do and all these other things. My worldview drives me to think much deeper about this in terms of how this affects humanity as a whole. And so even some of my very technical content, I get into a lot of the philosophical discussions around like, how does this actually affect human identity? And what does this mean for our existence and things like that, which sometimes is a little deep. <laughs> so I got to come back every once in a while. You're nice. like, like, you went meta on this. I'm like, well, yeah. okay, yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it reasonable. <laughs> well, just for the record, you're allowed to go into the deep end on this podcast. So by okay. all means, hey, well, bring, we'll bring it on. As, I'll go as bring deep it on. as you let me go. Don't yeah. you worry. You got it. I'll get the floaties just in case we get too deep into it here. <laughs> That's right. You can throw the diving All right. and bring me back up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We'll inflate the buoyancy control to get you back to the surface. We got this. <laughs> so, all right. So today we're talking about AI tools that are available publicly and freely right now. Right. So what I want to talk, yeah. I want to talk in the lens of somebody who people who are listening to this podcast are many times they are project managers, they're normal office workers. There are people who are in the workforce, either as an employee employee or as a frontline supervisor, middle manager, somewhere in the management chain of right now. So what yep. they've probably seen right now is there's chat GPT, there's Bard, there's AI tools like this that they can engage with. So I want to start sure. from the employee perspective, right? Yeah. The what are the what would you say are the opportunities to get ahead right now for something sitting in that position? AI is this thing, it's not going away, it's going to change the game. Sure. But what do you do right now as an employee to sort of be on the bandwagon or maybe ahead of the curve on some of this? So practically speaking, and this is something where I've actually got one of my teams spinning up, like, how is AI changing your job today internally at ChenMed to help people understand, like, how could I be using this or what should be the things that I'm using to help me just with my day-to-day -day stuff? So we did one recently where we focused on anybody in corporate is familiar with having to create presentations and the amount yes. of hours <laughs> that go into creating uh -huh. presentations for things. And so totally. we're a big advocate and by no means is this an endorsement for any product. So when I reference things, just so people know, I'm not saying go buy this product. I'm just referencing examples. So we use, we recommend that people use Canva internally because it's really good at helping people design PowerPoint presentations <laughs> or presentations. And they've incorporated some of these image generators and actually automatic presentation design, which is a huge time saver. Now, granted, sometimes people freak out a little bit because they're like, well, can AI really make my presentation for me? 
And it's one of those like, no, you don't just want to hand it over to it. But rather than spending all that time going through going, well, which template do I want to use? And like, how do I want the bullets later? And all this time, it's a really great way to pull that together. And it's got almost every tool I see now has one of these easy writers in built into it that says like, okay, so what are the bullets that you're trying to create? And you can be prompted for like, what would you like those bullets to do? So some of these really practical implications of have it work with you on building some of these things that inevitably, if you're a project manager, you have to create a status update deck. Don't waste your time trying to come up with what should that status deck look like? Yes, you're still going to have to think about what needs to be in there and what are the key pieces of information, but let the technology help guide it. And I know that Microsoft Copilot is now doing a lot with that. So there's some really practical ways where you can go, oh, okay, I wouldn't spend as much time on that. Chris, you you just, as you were saying that, it reminded me like, gosh, so the example for this would be you are some sort of project manager and you're required to give status updates. And generally you have some sort of status meeting with your team at the end of the week or something. And then that's normally done on Teams or on Slack or not Slack, but Teams or one of these Zoom, one of these meetings, and you record the meeting. And at the end of that, there is an automatically generated transcript that would happen. And so you could copy and paste that transcript into one of these AI products and say, give me action items and a summary of this meeting and put it in slides so that you can then turn around and brief the higher ups above you and think about how much time you used to spend doing that versus what this could do for you now. And that doesn't take away from the important part of your job is to deal with the people on this end and the higher ups on that end and answer the questions. But the creating of the slide deck is not really a big value add for your position. So like, Oh, that's cool. Exactly. Well, and something else with that, that again, I think is really helpful with AI, which I did a video on YouTube just about how AI can actually improve our human skills, which seems weird. Why would AI make us better humans? Like, well, if you're using it right, it can. Um, and, and an example of this that I recently did with my teams was they had a presentation. So they had the content of their presentation in place. And as I looked at it, my feedback to them was, that's really good for your intended audience which at the time was the frontline employees. You needed to deliver that message to the frontline employees. But I said, we've got an executive team meeting and I think we need a different version of that that's still based on that same content, but speaks at a more executive level. And the way I worked with my team on it is I said, now don't you go back through this PowerPoint presentation and recreate the PowerPoint presentation and you do all the rework, ask AI to recreate it and describe this new audience. And that was, and again, it's called prompt engineering, but I've been working with my teams on how do you get good at prompt engineering. And so through this, I was like, recreate this presentation for an executive audience. You know, we, we, we created some details around what that audience was. And in 10 seconds, it created another version of that presentation that was much more tailored to that audience that they went through. And obviously they made some edits and changes and things like that, but it took 30 minutes instead of the better part of a day. Right. Totally. No God. And you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I get so excited about this topic anyway. So it's so fun to talk with you about this because I just, one of the other thoughts that came to me, one of the other fields that used to be very 
unavailable for normal folks in the in the front lines was the really deep data analytics and Excel work, yes. right? That was, oh my yep. gosh, you want to go in and you need pivot tables to do this kind of thing. And if you haven't experimented with it, you know, people talk about AI, you just mentioned it earlier at one point, AI can write code, which is great. Most end, like most employees don't necessarily have to write code, but the place that you do end up writing something that's similar to code is with spreadsheets. Is Excel. And (laughs) so being able to describe, I need to create, you know, what is the function that I need to do? You can describe this cell has this information. This has this information. What is the the formula that I need to do this or better yet, you could say, create a pivot table for this information and this information based on here's the link to this, you know, chart or this data set or something. And so what it does is it allows you to kind of talk in plain English to get the data analytics that you're getting to try. So before you would have to be the employee that went to talk to the data scientist to get all of these number crunching done on all these Excel sheets and all this data. And now no matter how big the data is, you can describe in kind of plain language what it will do, what you're looking for. And it will get you 80% of the way right there, right? Like AI is not going to get you just done. You're not going to be able to just completely give it to it, but it's going to get you much further. Yeah. Two things I would say to that. One, the way I tell people when I talk about, because again, we're doing a lot of stuff to upskill our employees and how do you use this well? And the way we describe it is treat this like a brilliant intern. That's a really good way to think. (laughs) That's a really good (laughs) description. Yes. A brilliant intern. Treat it like Uh a brilliant intern. It knows all the, like like you said, it knows how to do all these Excel tabulations. It can do all these calculations. Mm -hmm. It can do... But it doesn't have any contextual information to really understand what you're really trying to get at. So yeah. like an intern, you have to go, well, I, I need you to take this and this and I need you need to give it that guidance and it will come yeah. back to you. And like you said, 80 percent there, just like a brilliant intern, you're going to look at it and go uh, like, oh, not quite. But like, let's make this adjustment or let's tweak this type of a thing, just like you wouldn't go to a brilliant intern and go put together this presentation as I'm about to go to the board of directors for, you know, this meeting. And you don't even bother to look at the presentation until you stand in front of the board of directors and you start flipping through the slides and go, Oh no. Like how did this get on? That would be a foolish mistake as would just saying here, Microsoft Copilot, create this presentation. But I think when you treat it that way, you can quickly start to see how powerful it can be. A brilliant intern. That's a, perfect two-word description of how I think AI is, right? Like businesses are not going to get replaced by brilliant interns. However, brilliant interns definitely help move the ball a little bit faster sometimes if you have an they army can of radically them. transform a business if yeah, used correctly. For sure. Now you talked about mistakes. I want to talk about that too. What are some of the mistakes for folks that are on the front lines right now, or maybe starting to use this besides certainly trusting it with your job? Like brilliant intern is such a great way to describe this. Are there other mistakes that you think or are seeing with folks with this whole AI thing? Yeah. One of the ones, and this goes back to starting to touch on some of the philosophical stuff You know, we have a tendency as people to attach a lot of our identity to our work. You know, the the work we do becomes part of who we are. Yes. And so even what we're describing right now, 
you start to hear like, well, wait a minute, I'm going to let AI design my presentation, but I'm like, I'm a really good presentation designer. People tell me that they really like my presentations. And so it can start to feel like if I let AI do some of these things, am I somehow less valuable as a person to the organization? And I see that happen a lot. And it's not talked about enough because it's taboo and we're all supposed to puff our chests and go, no, I never have, you know, identity challenges. I'm always perfectly confident with who I am as an individual. And it's like, well, no, you're not. Actually, none of us are. And so when we start stepping into these and what I, where I see that go south is people resist it because they're afraid to let go of something that they think somehow is defining them. And so, you know, the examples we've talked about, well, crunching the pivot tables, that was kind of like my thing because I was the only one that knew the Excel functions type of a thing. And so you can start to go, well, I'm not going to leverage or adopt this kind of technology. And I'm going to kind of close myself off hoping that others don't find out that that's really what I do. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to break down in organizations and through the stuff I talk in the industry, because what's interesting about it is the very things you see people resisting AI against, like they're also the very things people say, I hate doing this. <laughs> right. So like in one breath, they're like, I absolutely hate putting together presentations. I hate putting together spreadsheets. Hey, you should have AI do that. What? No, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, that's my thing. And you're like, I, th- I thought you hated it. Right. So I think that's a real struggle that oh. we have to wrestle with. And, you know, to tag onto what you're saying too, one of the other things that, so I teach life balance. And one of the things about life balance that is kind of hard for people to understand is many times right now, people treat life balance as a feeling, right? Like you work too much and now you feel like life balance is off. So it's like, I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel lack of life balance. It's like a feeling. But, you know, in the training that I do, we actually, all right, let's put together a plan. You are in the driver's seat. How is life balance? What's it going to look like for you? And how do we do this? And so that's a really rewarding conversation. And one of the pieces of that conversation is good life balance and really healthy individuals that are mentally, you know, like some of the avoiding some of the mental, uh, the mental issues and the mental well being that comes with work is your career is a growth thing, right? So healthy people look at it as a journey. You never actually get there. So for the people who don't want to, you know, let AI do the slideshow because that's their thing, they are at the end of a journey and they're kind of stuck because now they're just that person. Where if you look at life as a continuous journey and you're never going to be there, but you're part of the journey, AI, what this is really revealing to me and I, what I want to scream from the rooftops is, oh my gosh, AI is going to allow you to go learn more skills that you're excited about because the stuff that you used to have to slog through your job to do, there was the parts of your job that you didn't like as much and the parts that you did. And so now make sure you're learning more parts of your job and your career that you like and you'd be interested in and get you excited because that's the journey. And that's where the life balance comes in too. not, I mean, and this is, this applies to outside of work too, but just for that. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a journey, Christopher. It's a journey. Yes. Well, and I think a lot of people right now are in what's called liminal space. It's that space where you're at the threshold. You're standing on the edge of the door, 
and you realize you've come to the end of this space, but you haven't quite walked through the next, through the doorway yet. And that's a really scary place to be because there is this fear of, I know I'm leaving something, but I haven't yet quite figured out what I'm walking into. And Mm. that's an uncomfortable space. And I think a lot of people are in that space right now. And like it or not, you're either going to walk through that door or you're going to get shoved through it. And I think that's that's the reality of where we (laughs) are right now. Well, or if you don't walk through that door, then businesses are going to have to navigate around you. And eventually you won't really be necessary because now you're not like AI can create the slideshow. So it's time for you to find another piece to your identity that's really valuable. And some of that is learning, right? But if you keep learning and you keep growing, that's the journey. And that's what, so it'll, it like brings it full circle. Like, man, go for it. Keep learning. Well, and here's, here's a perfect example of this. And then I want to talk on one of the, cause you asked like, where do I see it going? Not well. And I think this is one on where we need to adopt AI more. I'll talk about where I think there's one to go back, but in terms of a story with this, so leading learning in a large organization, one example of this is I have a lot of instructional designers or experienced designers, they very much have been hit with the identity crisis of AI recently because the reality that AI can create content better and faster than a person is extremely intimidating. And I've been saying this, people are acting like this is all new. I did a podcast three years ago where I said, AI is better at creating e-learning than the best instructional designer on the planet. And people thought I was nuts. And like, now we're here and like, well, okay. Um, And it's even, it goes back even further than that. But this was something that I had to work through with some of these teams because they looked at this and they said, so like at some point, are you just going to lay us all off and replace us with an app? Because someone could just go into this app and create this. And so we had to have a really honest conversation about that. And my answer was, that depends on you. If you choose to just say my identity and my value is in manually doing all of these activities, then yes, then yes, then yes, you will, because there are apps I could buy today that can do that better and more efficiently than you can. However, if you choose to adapt your skill set and recognize that the value I see in you and the reason I hired you and the reason I'm growing you as an employee is not because you're the best at coming up at the subject content in this field and picking the stock image that you put on this slide. That's not what I see in you. What I see in you is your ability to contextualize and bring to life something that someone couldn't solve before. And what I see is if you choose to say, I'm going to let AI take care of some of these robotic mechanical things so that I can spend more of my energy on the things I actually hired you to do. But I recognize that some of these mechanical things needed to be done too. So I just have recognized that's just the cost of doing business. Then no, if anything, I'm going to pour into you even more because I'm going to get to see more of what I originally hired you for. And that really... That wasn't like a one conversation that magically turned the tides, but that has really encouraged and inspired my teams to push beyond what they were doing before. Gosh, totally. I it's and getting that 
it's that context of, you know, there's, you can come at something from fear. You can come at, there's, well, let me put it this way. There's that curve, right? You, you've seen that curve of the early adopters. There's the cutting edge people, the early adopters, the middle of the crowd, the late adopters. And so this is one of those things where you, if you look at this as something that is going to replace you, then you're, you're totally right. It is. But if you step up and you learn how to use this tool and you become even better at the job you're doing by leveraging this, cause it's not going anywhere. It's, it's this is going to stick no. around. It's, I feel like what's happening now for the, the, the knowledge workers and the, and those folks are the same is the same thing that's happening the same to all of thing. the factory yes. workers when we brought robots into the factories and now they're that's just and it. like it's the same and same knowledge workers context. for a long time thought they were immune they thought they right? were immune it was like oh that's yeah. never going to happen to us because you can't have robots do what we do and it's right? like well actually now you can do we still have factory workers yes, yes I heard, do. I don't remember where I heard this but it's you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're yeah. going to lose your job to someone who's doing your job with AI. That's right. that's the risk that you have to address. That's an awesome quote. I like that. You're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to someone who's doing your job with AI. Oh, man, there needs to be a meme. Make a t-shirt for that one. <laughs> Christopher, you'll make some money on that. That's good. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears. We've been talking about employees, right? Let's talk about from the management perspective. Now you have a team under you. You're a frontline supervisor. You're a middle manager. What are the opportunities to get ahead? Now it's not just about the work, but now it's managing a team underneath you too. What's What do you see as like the opportunities there with AI? Is it different? Is it the same? <sighs> it. So this will actually bring me full circle to the risk that I think I, w- I didn't get a chance to mention. And then we'll talk a little bit about it. Because um, I think there's a few things that as people leaders, which whenever I say that, people always think I'm saying people eaters. So Yeah, one eye, one horn, <laughs> flying of, purple. Yeah, leaders yeah. <laughs> of people, uh-huh. people managers, right, is there is a real risk that we could start to trust AI to make decisions for us. And to me, that is a very serious risk. And I think the higher up you move, whether you're in people management, as you move into senior leadership, those kinds of things, I think that's a risk we need to be very, very careful of is delegating our decision making to the machines because it does not have the contextual information. And I think as a leader of peoples, there are going to be more things. I'm involved with countless tech companies that are looking at how, and I'm helping influence them on how they should be integrating AI into things. And there is going to be more and more pressure if you are a people manager to be lured by this temptation. I almost think of it as like the fruit in the garden where you go like, hey, hey, like, you know, I could do this annual review with this person or... Workday just added this new feature that I give it a couple prompts and it writes the performance review for me and and recommends what rating to give them. And that could sound like a time saver at your peril. And I think that's one of the things as leaders of people you can run into is if anything, as AI rises, the need for people managers to focus on their human interaction, their human skills the time they spend getting to know individuals, contextualizing things, making decisions, that kind of stuff 
is going to be paramount. And I think that's the risk we have to avoid because the temptation is to go, hey, it's really good at automating this mechanical stuff. Imagine if we could use it to automate this, you know, human stuff too. And to me, you're playing with fire right there. That's, gosh, I so agree with this from the perspective of you. So I guess the message that I'm getting from this that I want to like shout from the rooftops to all of the frontline supervisors and managers listening to this is for all of you that used to have the excuse that there was so much to do that you didn't have time for the people part of your job, those days are gone. So if you're not already on it, jump on this AI bandwagon to take care of the non-people parts of your job. Because now as a manager, taking care of the people is the one part that you can do. So if you've got to create that slideshow that we were talking about earlier to brief the higher ups or whatever, and that used to take you two hours and it will now take you 30 minutes, that gives you an hour hour and and a half half into the people. Getting to know your people check, and check in with your team. Yes. And because this is also the, we're also right at the, the intersection of this happening at the same time as like the COVID remote work. Remote work is now more popular than ever. And yep. what happens with remote work is that you don't actually sit with that person. You don't stop by for coffee. So now that extra hour and a half that we just talked about is a chance for you to actually have a meaningful, meaningful conversation with your team or your team members about something that is human with them and that human yep. connection. And so use AI to automate the parts of your job that aren't human engaging yep. and get good at that. Like, oh man, yes. that's powerful. That is powerful stuff. And the other thing with that, that you can actually use AI to help you get better at that. And that's where I say AI can make you a better human <laughs> if you use okay. it right. All right. Because yeah. even for, so this is something that I've done with all the people managers on my team is I've been working with them to teach them how to use GPT-4 to help them almost as like a thought partner with when they're dealing with difficult things with their teams. Describe the situation to GPT-4 and have it give you ideas for how you may want to think about it or share with you what might be the perspective of somebody who's going through this to give you greater empathy into it because it's a nice testing ground Mm -hmm. before you have to do the real thing. Um, You know, I I am no... It's not unfamiliar to me to have to deal with company layoffs and have to deal with things like that. And GPT-4 can be a great way to say... I'm about to have to deliver this message. Here are some details about this individual. What would be some of the things that I would want to be sensitive to? Or what questions might it be helpful for me to ask to open the conversation to have some of those dialogues in a meaningful way? Because the reality is, if COVID showed us anything, most people suck at interpersonal skills. I mean, that's just almost a universal statement. Most True people story. just yep. suck at it. And COVID showed us that because when we're in a room together, you don't notice as much. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, fine. Yeah, we're friends. We smile at each other and we chit chat when we get coffee. Suddenly you're remote and you're like, yeah, actually, I have nothing to say to this person. And boy, when we're on a call, it's just awkward. And you start to realize, oh, wow, maybe I'm not really as good at connecting on a human level as I thought. And Tools like ChatGPT and other generative AI tools can be a really powerful tool to help you through some of that awkwardness in a safe space. So you're not experimenting on the real thing. 
it's just like you said, that brilliant intern, right? Like you would not trust what you're about to say in a performance review to whatever your brilliant intern said. However, if you're looking for a second opinion on something and you don't know what, like finding second opinions to me, I love, I value AI for second opinions only because yes. it gives me ideas and angles that I didn't think about before. It gives me wording yep. and titles and these kinds of things. And so it's not something that I would ever replace with. I, I wouldn't ever just choose. Like you said, it's brilliant intern. Don't trust them with, don't give them the keys to the kingdom. Right. You wouldn't let However, your intern lay the person right. off. No, but you might be don't. like, I'm about to do this. Here's some of the details about the situation. Here's some of the things I'm concerned about. What feedback would you give me on this? And it's AI. So it doesn't have the hierarchy thing where it's like, well, I don't want to tell my boss what it doesn't want to hear. It's going to tell you. It's going to be yeah. like, well, I think what you just <laughs> said there was really offensive type of it. It's just going to tell you. And it's less threatening because it's coming from someone you're not from assessing yourself against. Exactly. AI can give it to you really straight. And, you know, it's like when kids like the five-year-olds tell you really honestly that like, my God, those genes look terrible on you or something like that. <laughs> If yeah. you ask your significant other, your significant other is going to find a way to beat around the bush and not, they don't want to tell you that your butt looks big in those jeans, but your five-year-old will just straight up tell you and just say, AI it. will do the same thing. It'll just be like, man, nope, that's not a good angle for you. I yes. <laughs> but what we've been getting at this whole time is you still need to hold on to the decision-making on it. Like you said, it's feedback, yeah. treat yeah. it as such. And then yeah. make decisions on how that changes things. But it has the power to make you a more effective people manager simply by using it the right way. Totally. You know, I made a, I made myself a note before this episode too. One of the things as I was thinking about, all right, frontline supervisors, middle managers, what's another thing that this can help you with? I remember as a manager way back in the day, I used to have to make schedules for people and you'd have like, 15 schedule requests with all of these different things and making the schedule for me was like, sit down. I wish I could have had a beer, but it was work time. So, all right, you know, sit down with something in a quiet place where I can just focus for two or three hours to make this schedule for all of these people. And how are we going to get up too many people there? Oh, I forgot this work request that I got to move them, which means I got to change this. You can actually do that by typing with chat GPT or AI or one of these bars or took something. Hours take seconds. We did it at the beginning of this year when we were laying out our learning calendar uh -huh. for the year. Yeah. We just literally gave it. Here's all the different things. Here's all the barriers. Here's all yep. the different challenges we have. What should that schedule look like? And 15 Boom. seconds later, because it can calculate more tabulations than we could possibly do in a lifetime in seconds. And then it's like, yeah, Oh, wow. Okay. I, I guess cool. we're done. Like, I guess we're done. Like now let's go back to the human stuff. Right. Totally. I'd, and all that, the scheduling stuff, the went, Oh man, love it. Yes. So that was one of my other notes to myself was, gosh, it's, it, you know, it goes back to the point you and I have been saying, which is the human stuff, right? This is stuff yes. that used to take you a ton of time that took away from your time with the people in the business. And now Use a leverage AI for that and schedule stuff like that. Or I was thinking like yep. conventions, table coverage. You need to make sure you have people for the different things when you've got all these variables, data analytics, all that stuff. Leverage, leverage yep. AI. Well, and something else that actually came up today, uh, I had a meeting this morning about this. 
where again, one of the questions that a lot of times people hear is, as AI takes on more and more, and this comes from a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. you know, will there be enough to go around? Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's a, yeah. it's a scary thing to think, well, but if AI just takes more of this at some point, isn't it going to take so much away that there's nothing left for me to do? And I still just chuckle at it sometimes because I go, I cannot think with the pace of change and everything that's going on, there has never been a day in my entire career where I've gone, I literally have accomplished everything that I could have possibly wanted to accomplish today. It doesn't happen. And so even just an example of this, practical example of this was, you know, translations. I've worked for big global companies. I ran global at GE and at AbbVie. And one of the big things was you were dealing with all these different countries and you always knew that not everybody spoke English as their first language. But a lot of times it was just, what am I going to do? I don't have time to sit and make different translations and create different versions of the same thing over and over. And I know it's a need but it's something I'm never, ever going to be able to get to or have the resources to do it. These are opportunities that literally have gone untapped that now in a second, again, going back to our example, take this presentation, convert it to Hindi. Boom, it's done. And you can now send it out to these other stakeholders. It's something that wasn't even on the table before that you can now do. So even accessibility and things like this, you're able to create opportunity that didn't exist before with it. Right. And gosh, in that example, you just shared too, I'm just, I'm, I'm recalling what we were just talking about, about how there's not enough left to go around or something. And in that case, if it gives you the presentation in 40 different languages before you send it out to all of the stakeholders, the one that you have a really good relationship with them, send it to them and ask, are there any glaring problems with this language or something? Because it's a brilliant intern. It's not a finished product. So you still need the people part, but so much time saved. Gosh, it's not a zero sum game. And I think that's the thing. We're not playing a zero sum game where there's only so many pieces and once those pieces are gone, there's nothing left. We just seem to create yeah. more yep. that weren't there before. Are there are there any special use cases that come to mind for you that would help a manager stand out right now if they were starting to get in the game of AI or they were exploring this? What are the things that like like we said, AI is not going to AI is not going to replace your job. But somebody who does your job with AI could replace your job. And so what are, what are you seeing from a, a manager, frontline supervisor, middle manager, or even senior managers? What, what are you seeing as those opportunities right now? So some of the ones, uh, I'll give a couple examples of things that I think have been really helpful for those folks. You know, one just very practical example is a lot of times frontline managers we get a lot of data about things. Here's a lot of, I mean, good grief. The amount of data that we can find on stuff is sometimes almost overwhelming to the point Mm -hmm. where you're like, I don't even know. I'm seeing things and I don't even know what it is. And AI, you know, whether you're using GPT-4 or any of these other tools is fantastic at identifying patterns. And going back to some of this and giving it the data and saying, as And again, you have to give it context, just like a brilliant intern. As a 
manager of these people look at this information and analyze it? What specific development opportunities or areas of opportunity should I be focusing on? There's a lot of information here. What things do you think are the most important for me to focus on and why? And are you just going to blindly chase whatever it tells you? No, of course not. But it will find things that you didn't even think to consider before and actually give you that feedback as a frontline leader to then say, wow, okay, I missed that. Like, here's an opportunity for me to go dig in a little bit more. And now you spend your time not just blindly chasing it, but digging in to see, is there something there? Is there something I could be spending more time coaching or developing or looking into in terms of broken processes type of a thing? It's really good at helping find some of that stuff. Um, that again, who just has time in their day to sit back and go, you know what I'm going to do is just look through endless PowerPoints of data and try and find patterns for things that I can go work on with my team. Nobody has that kind of time. <laughs> oh my gosh. But AI does. I, I'm, you're saying this and I'm reminded of all of the employee viewpoint surveys that come in and stuff where you get responses from thousands of people. That Excel sheet is insane. And then they give it to you and they're like, here, what here, should go we make do a with development this? plan for your team? Right. And it's like, okay, well then let me give this to AI. What do you see as the top five to 10 things that I should look into from this and isolate some of the really valuable things and see what your brilliant intern gives you as a place to start and then start there. Yeah. That's not the end, but no, start it's there. Not the end game, but yeah. ask it. I mean, again, yeah. that's the beauty of it. You can just keep asking questions. Look mm-hmm. for the top five things that you think I should be focused on. Why did you pick yeah. those things? What do you think might be some of the underlying reasons? Here's some details about our industry, about the current dynamics of our team. What are some things that you might think could be leading to this? Just as that starting guide to go, well, I'm a heck of a lot further than I was before. And that's something I would have never had time to do that now I can spend my time doing meaningful stuff. Um, Just one other example of something that is really powerful that I'm exploring uh, with some stealth companies right now as ways for leaders to develop and stuff. Because so much stuff is done on virtual meetings uh, and things like that, there's two areas that I think are going to be really helpful for managers. And one is there are now tools that can listen to your meetings, which sounds creepy, but it's not, and can give feedback on the dynamics of your meetings. And here, Like, where were the conversations? Who did most of the talking? What were the things that were said in that meeting? And what should you do as actions? Now, some of that's very tactical. Again, if you use some of these tools, if you're a project manager, good grief, put those on your meetings. And again, what were the action items? What were the major concerns that came up in that call? You can get a lot of that feedback. Mm -hmm. But something else that we're spending a lot of time on is creating simulations, for people managers to be able to say, you know, Hey, I need to have this development conversation or I need to have a one-on-one. A lot of people managers, they're terrible at having one-on-ones. And how do we create simulations with AI to practice how to do that? Which again, most people go, well, I don't got time for that. Well, (laughs) we're creating time so that you can have time for that type of a thing. And those are some real practical things that I would encourage anybody to find out if your organization's doing some of this stuff because it's it's here and it's at a state of maturity that 
you can actually really use it well. And for everyone out there who thinks my organization doesn't have this, you personally have access to pretty much the majority of the stuff we've talked about. You might not have the actual uh, add-on or whatever the setting is that you have to pay for in your meetings to get this just built into the meeting. But every one of your meetings, I guarantee you, if you record it, it has a transcript and you can take that transcript, copy it into the AI and ask it the same questions that we're talking about now, where this might take you an extra few minutes as opposed to having the button enabled where it'll just tell you how much time somebody spoke. You could copy and paste the transcript in and ask AI for a summary and it will give you this now. So you right now have access to all of this ability. So make sure that you're digging into this and exploring it. And gosh, if there's one takeaway from today's chat that I hope folks that you're taking away from this is that it's you, this gives you the time back to be better at the manager part of your job, the managing the people part of your job. And that's huge. So leverage that and become that manager who takes that, you know, you have you, the, the you as a manager could get replaced by somebody who's a manager that's good with AI that does your same job. That's like, doing man, those things. two. Oh man, those those two little nuggets right there are like, man, it's a brilliant intern and you will be replaced by somebody who does your job with AI. AI is not yes. going to replace your job. And like, oh yeah. gosh, such, ooh, they're nuggets. They're well, just golden nuggets. And I think, nuggets. you know, you just think about it. I'm just, and again, I see these because I'm involved in a lot of the industry research. And then I sit in the C-suite and talk about this stuff with the business leaders. The things that are differentiating the people managers in the organization are these kinds of things we're talking about. These yeah. are the people that show up on talent reviews where people go, this people manager is doing something with their team. And maybe the leadership doesn't know the specifics of what it is, but they're the ones, we're the ones seeing like, whoa, this team's performance is elevating. Their engagement scores are going up there. And as you start to dig into it, you go, well, that manager is spending a lot of time getting to know his team. He's he or she is clear on communicating effectively to the team. They're summarizing what's going on. They have a clear vision and connection between the work and the strategy. All this stuff, these are human skills that AI gives you superpowers to be able to do. And that's how you, you know, bulletproof your career. Yeah, totally. Now, I want to switch gears just for a second. We're kind of, sure. we reached the end of our topic about sort of some of the business and the work discussion, but I do want yeah. to just switch gears for you personally. What have, what is AI and some of the discussion about AI? How has it affected your personal life? Have you noticed that it's helped? With, I mean, my gosh, you, you, you told me before the show and the folks listening might not know this, but you have seven kids. And so you've got, yeah, certainly got plenty going on in your personal life. So talk just a little bit about AI and your personal life. Has it, has it affected anything? How's it been? Um, I would say if anything, more than anything, I use it a lot to give me back more time to spend with my family, right? So a lot of it is freeing up time so that I'm not spending that time. Because again, going back to it, just like what we've talked about with being a people manager, well, what's the point of doing it? <laughs> so you have time to spend time with the people. And yeah. the same is true in my personal life. Like, how do you spend more time with your family? Well, you spend less time filling out PowerPoints and going through Excel spreadsheets. But even some practical mm -hmm. ones, 
you know, that my wife and I even joke about, like, <laughs> it's just a really simple one. Because as you can imagine, yeah. with nine people in a house, we eat a lot of food. <laughs> There's Obviously. a lot of food consumed. Yeah. And so you'll have a lot of random groceries in your house that sure. a lot of times you don't really know what to do with. And there's some apps out there that literally you can take a picture of your fridge and say, what could I make with what's in the fridge? And it's pretty darn good with going, I noticed all these ingredients. Here's dinner for tonight. Boom. Didn't have to think about like, what do we have? What should we make? What do you do? You just go Uh click. Here's a snapshot of the fridge. What could I make for dinner? That would be, and you describe it. We've got seven kids under the age of 12. You know, they, some are picky. They don't like this and that. And it's like, here you go. Here's what to make. And we don't think about it. We just take action on it. Uh, You know, sometimes my kids and I love playing with GPT four together where we talk about, you know, they're interested in, like Minecraft, or I don't know much about Minecraft, but I love engaging with them. And again, spending quality time going, well, let's ask GPT, what would be a great way to build this kind of thing? Or how would you architect this? And let's get feedback from it. And then let's talk about it. I mean, they're they're kind of stupid, but honestly, I'm using it to make our human interactions more meaningful. Because if my kids just came to me and said, hey, we're stuck with Minecraft, how could we do this? I don't know anything about that and I can't engage. And so the tendency would be to say, I don't know, guys, go figure it out. But instead I go, well, I don't know. Why don't we do this together? Let's see what we can find and see if we can learn something as a team. Um, I mean, we do a lot of stuff in VR for similar reasons. We can go together and experience. And I know that's a separate topic than AI, but with where generative AI is going to start pairing with virtual reality, some of the crossovers are going to be extremely powerful. So those are just a handful of the things. But I think more importantly, whenever I would say one common thread, you would see in all of it is it's either giving me more time to spend quality time with my family, or we're using it to enhance the time that we have together to make it more meaningful. Gosh, please take heed on those things that that is so it's it's resonating so much for me because i so i mean i did my my ted talk on reimagining the actual value of your time right and it was picked up i was really fortunate because it was a tedx talk but then it got picked up by the team at ted and made an editor's pick and it was one of those things that kind of went viral and one of my topics that i talk about in the talk that just continues to come up over and over again for me in life is that there's a section that we talk about where it's people in hospice. There's a woman who worked with people in hospice of all ages and what are their thoughts, their advice to everyone else in their final days with us. And one of the biggest, the biggest things are the things that you just talked about, Christopher. It's the, it's the time with your family, being a better parent, spouse, child, like that, those, the time that you get to spend with them, like even VR, right? The, the VR experience you, you mentioned, while that would certainly be a cool experience, the time you spend with someone doing that is going to be the memories that you carry with you on and on. And my kids will remember that we walked on the great wall of China together in VR. Yes. That's what they're going to remember. Now I could have just handed them the headset and said, go, but it was doing that together and then talking about it. 
Yes, the engagement. That, that, I mean, that, that's those memories, and that, and it doesn't matter whether you're a gamer or you're big into social media or whatever. None of those things will translate to at the end when you're looking back on this life. But the time that you spend together, and the memories that you have with those folks, and the engaging the experiences that you have, are the things that you'll always remember. And that is consistently based on the time you spend and the quality of the time. So, yeah. And it's very well, personal for me because not only because I have seven kids and a wife, but yeah. I grew up in a funeral home. And so for oh me, goodness. <laughs> being faced with we didn't mortality this ahead of time when I'm talking about, yeah, I know hospice. there's, there's, yeah, I know there you I'm go. Talking there's about hospice a, and you've got the funeral perspective, man, we just went dark because we just, well, but the, here's the thing. It's dark, uh-huh. but it's not in that right. death is, is an inevitability. Right. And that was the thing that for me growing up, you know, this is something nobody likes to think about or talk about that's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, there's no cheating that. It's right. coming for you one way or the other. And so for me growing up with that reality, it was, so then how do I make sure that to the very best of my ability, every minute that I have while I am here, I'm being relentlessly intentional about how I use that time so that I don't yep. end up looking back and going, <laughs> That's what I chose to do with it. Yeah. Like that's what I chose to do with it. I don't want to have those moments. Yeah. Chris, for any top any ideas on um the this topic now, AI and stuff, are there any good resources that you recommend for folks who are interested to learn more about kind of what we've talked about today? You know, and certainly share your show too, because Christopher yeah. is one of the resources on this. So that was a, that was a shameless opportunity for you to I was gonna brag say, a little bit and okay. any other ones too. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, and part of the reason that I do talk so much, so the live stream that I do, I spend a lot of time talking about all of the technology out there and its implications similar to this. Like, what does it mean? How should we think about it? How are we using it to improve the human experience, not degrade it? Uh, yeah. And so that is why I started that because the reality is I get, and that's where when I come to other resources, it's tough right now. I mean, the number of conversations on AI right now is insurmountable. And I listen to a lot of them and a lot of them are fear mongering. They are doomsday. They're not productive for folks. And so you do have to, my caution would be, be really careful. So if you're listening to what I'm saying today and you go, I completely disagree with Christopher. I think he's, he's bonkers. Well, then you're not going to like my content and there's plenty of other content out there that you right. can listen to. But if you're listening yeah. to this going, this focus on the human experience and how to enhance the human experience through technology, that really is where I spend all my time and the content that I create is really around that. So are there some great I, I would say people could reach out to me and they're like, Hey, do you know of a really good conversation on this? That's where I can point people in directions. Cause there's some really good one-off things, but even myself, I create the content cause I struggled to find a source of getting it. Yep. And so you're, if they want to keep in touch with you and your content specifically, where do they go? So I am on LinkedIn all the time. So LinkedIn is kind of my primary, but then in terms of longer form content where I get into some of the deeper, longer discussions around what does this really mean? That's I'm doing a lot more on YouTube. Uh, And so that's where all my video content is out on YouTube. 
Got it. So I'll make sure that I drop, if you're listening to this now, I'll, I'll make sure I drop the links in there so that you can get to the YouTube and find the LinkedIn and all of this stuff. So you can uh, chat with Christopher. So I, so kind of bringing it to a close, here's what I love. Christopher, I love that you are focusing on the human experience of AI because the reality is those two things are going to forever and ever be a factor for this topic. And so focusing on the intersection of those two things is such a powerful thing for now and for at least the next decades. I mean, it's always going to be a thing because the way we interact with robots will always be a thing. So I love well, And we're people. So what do we care about? The human experience. That's what matters to us. We care deeply right. about that. So we need to know how does all this stuff make sense when we think about it that way? Yep. And so I love... Love that you're doing that and that you're talking about this stuff. And thank you for taking a few minutes today to chat with me on this topic, because I'm looking at it from a personal productivity perspective on how does AI help you. But the discussion about how it intersects with you being effective at work is not just about do it cranking out more widgets. It's how does it help you be better at your job and all that stuff. And I feel like we nailed that stuff today. Really good stuff. So thank you very much for joining me today and for coming and being a part of the show today. It's been a treat to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you through this experience and always fun to just hang out with other content creators. There's just a connection that always seems to happen with that. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And for you turning tuning in, two opportunities for you. First is, do you have a friend or a colleague who is has been chatting about AI and their job? And are they a manager or somebody in the white collar area, the knowledge workers? And if you do have a friend who's been interested in that, would you share the link to this episode specifically with them? Because I think oftentimes it's great to say, hey, check out Productivity Gladiator, this show. But more importantly, it's this one episode totally made me think of you. And not only will that be helpful for them, but it's also kind of a bond when you connect with people and say, you know, I thought of you when I saw this. And that might just make you have a great conversation with them. So I hope that you do that. And second, thanks for checking out the episode and for subscribing. I have special events and knowledge that I share with people who subscribe to my email list. So if you're already a part of the email list or you're not and you want to be, come join the fun. But I love sharing Productivity Gladiator with you. That's a wrap.